0: welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of pastor immanuel Ire, lead pastor of celebration church international it is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith ready set grow hallelujah praise the name of the lord so i, I want to start by charging you on how to receive from god you see in the body of christ A lot of people know how to pray, and a lot of people know how to fast, and a lot of people know um, about spiritual warfare, but what you may find to not be as common is the knowledge on how to receive from God and how to see his power manifest. A lot of people still don't know. You see, a lot of you are expectant about the Reboot Camp, and rightly so. You see, I was just blown away by the expectations, the DMs, the messages, the tags on social media, in real life. There's it, a lot of expectation. And you need to know how sure we are that your expectations will not be shut off, cut off. And, and what does the Word of God say? About meetings like this. What are we to do? How are we to position ourselves? I want to read to you a text that you know very well. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Are you there? I didn't say it's the screen there. I said are you there? We'll read together, one, two, go. You didn't read it like you came for Reboot Camp. Read it again, one, two, go. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power. Hallelujah. So, my disposition at Reboot Camp is not that he may or he might, but he will. He is willing and able. Glory to God. And that's number one. God is willing and God is able. God, you know, you might be here and you're expecting a healing and you're wondering, you know, you're preoccupied with what to do. Okay, I'm, it's time to sing. I'm going to sing now. Okay, it's time, it's time to pray. I'm going to pray now. And, you know, you're just overwhelmed by desperation to get what you came here for. My first word to you is relax. (laughs) Hallelujah. God is willing and God is able. Able to do exceeding abundantly above. Hallelujah. So, let me announce to you confidently your expectations will be exceeded. Say amen like you believe. Hallelujah. Say my expectations will be exceeded. Hallelujah. So don't be preoccupied with how. Okay, now I will just sit down. Now I will just, you know. Hallelujah. You stand a better chance if you will just relax and trust God. He's able, he's willing, and he's here. Praise the name of Jesus. That's simple, but it's for someone here. But I'm not done. You know, and then some people want to say, okay, he's able, he's willing, but how? I have a lot to say about that. But well, the text gives us a big, big thing to focus on. It says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. A lot of people know this. He's able. But they're not seeing power at work in their lives. The word of God says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above. All you can ask or think according to the power that works where? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say according to the power that works in us. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above. All I, think, all I can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. So listen, all the power that it would take for Reboot come to be a success is already with us. Yes, Did you hear what I said? Yes, all the power that we will need to heal every sick is already with us. Hallelujah. You know, a, a lot of people are waiting for something to happen Maybe from an external atmosphere, you know. Come, 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 Holy Ghost, come. You know, Holy Ghost, come, come, Holy. You know, when He's not coming, you add the oh, like, like, haven't you been listening since? <laughs> Hallelujah. But it's a different consciousness to say there is power at work in me. Hallelujah, and I'm ready to dispense. Do you understand? It's a different perspective to say, I'm waiting for the move of the spirit. And a different thing entirely to say, I am an ambassador for Christ and of Christ. And that means it's my destiny and my responsibility to dispense the presence of God everywhere I go. And so because I came, this program is about to be lit. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because I came. Thank you, Jesus. Paul spoke like someone who had mastery. You you need to understand what ministry is. You need to understand what ministry is. He calls us ministers. (laughs) Have you ever been to a hospital and someone administered drugs to you? That's what a minister is. Meaning, there has to be a sense of control. A sense of ownership. So, I'm not here hoping that you will be blessed. Oh God, I hope you will be blessed. No, listen. Paul didn't talk like that. He said, not as as if we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as of ourselves. But our sufficiency. Our ability. Is of God. He has made us able ministers. There is an ability to this thing. There is a mastery to it. Praise the name of Jesus. You know, years ago, there were some ladies who had been attending our church. And one of them came to me and said, her friend had been having nightmares. The moment she lies down to sleep, she has barely even slept, she will begin to see visions, night visions. And one... Funny fellow will come and have all kinds of s- sexual activity with her and all of that. And m- my first reaction was, Oh, why did she tell me? She has she been attending this church for about a month. How come she never mentioned? So I called her and I said, How come you never mentioned? she said, A lot of pastors have prayed for me. I said, Can I pray for you? She said, A lot of pastors have prayed already. I said, Okay, can I try? Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And this is not to say I, I, I don't know where she went, but the Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. Do you understand? It doesn't make me better than anyone else. This thing is available for all believers. Maybe I just dared to believe the word of God. Hallelujah. Lay hands on her. She fell under the power, and she saw a vision right in my office. She was by the waterside. And people in white were running away. And they were telling her, go, go, go. go!" (laughs) Hallelujah. So I had finished praying for her and she was still there. So we had to wait. When she was done, she woke up. I said, what happened? She said, I saw a vision again. I said, did you see the guy? She said, yes, he was running away. Hallelujah. I said, he won't come back. Thank you, Jesus. He has made us able ministers. Able ministers, I'm just assuring you, I don't know the challenge you're faced with. I don't know the ailment in your body. Hallelujah. We got you. Praise the Lord. You know, a lady shared a testimony in Abuja. She had been attending the reboot camp, but she had had this terrible ulcer and it got worse the last day, Sunday morning, she was even vomiting blood. So she wasn't going to, but something just pushed her, let, let let her just wear her cloth and come, you know. So she got to the venue. As soon as she entered the door, the pain vanished. Do you understand? So she sent me a DM yesterday and she was like, Pastor, you won't understand, I'm still surprised. This was, <laughs> reboot camp in Abuja ended, I think, 7th, was it? 17th of November, right? You know, and she said, you won't understand. She was surprised. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. God. Thank you, Jesus. You see, Paul always amazed me the way he talked. He talked like like a veteran. And he he is. He is. He is. Let me show you something he said. Turn your Bibles, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3 verse 5. You know, the Gentiles in Galatia were getting carried away. They thought they had to do something more to follow the dictates of the law of Moses to be right before God. And he's about to correct them on, on this, but the way he went about this will always be an amazement to me. He says to them, he said, therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you. He's talking about himself. I, I, I think I lost you. Did you come for a good camp? So, he's talking about himself. He said, "He who supplies the spirits to you, and works miracles amongst you, does he hit it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith?" Now he says, "He that supplies," he calls himself a supplier, a dispenser of the spirit. What a perspective! What a mindset! A dispenser, a supplier. Thank you, Jesus. See, I'm a supplier of the spirit, I'm a dispenser of the spirit. Wow. Well, I mean, just look at this. Did you see this? This is not a confession of faith, it's a statement of fact. He that supplies, so anywhere I go, oh, is there a need there? Well, I, I'm here, I'm here now, I'm here now. Supply. Thank you, Jesus. You can inject the presence to atmospheres. You carry it everywhere you go. He said he that supplies the spirit. What, what a mindset. That the evidence of the, of the existence of God will no longer be anything that you can find in Jerusalem. We're talking about lively stones here. People who carry the presence manifest it everywhere they go. Is that kind of meeting you came for? Thank you Jesus. He called himself a supplier. Maybe you came here down depressed your walk with God is not where it should be. Don't worry. We will supply you abundantly. Hallelujah. It's just that when it gets to Sunday, they might have to carry you from here. You you, you will be so... (laughs) Hallelujah. So just, just relax, okay? And then he says, you know, when someone is this confident, you want to know what is the source of his strength? What is the source of his confidence? Is he... His fasting, which he does a lot, or his prayer, which he does a lot. What, what is the, what? What do I need to do to be able to talk like this? He said, "Is it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith?" He said, "The power is in the message." Did you see that? The power is in, and that's why. Besides every other thing you came for, maybe you're you're trusting for a miracle, a healing, you know. Listen to the teaching. The power is in the teaching. You need to pay attention. If you didn't come here with notes, make sure you get one before tomorrow morning. Take notes of all the sessions. Pay attention. Don't miss any session. Participate. When everybody is praying, pray. When we are rejoicing, rejoice. When we are singing, sing. Participate. Because the power is in the message. Say that with me. The power is in the message. message. Hallelujah. And then he talks about two types of righteousness here. And I want to touch on this very quickly. He says, is it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So there are two Different concepts when it comes to righteousness. Two different understandings. Two different, you know, what do I call it? It's a consciousness that different people have. Hallelujah. He gives two options. Okay, how do I get to supply the Spirit? Is it by the works of the law? Am I capable of that because I keep the law or by faith? So we want to talk about that. There are two types of righteousness. Of course, the first is the righteousness of the law. The righteousness of the law. And then the second is the righteousness of faith. This is so important. Hallelujah. The righteousness of faith. What is the righteousness of the law? I'm going to use what you might consider some complicated grammar, but I would explain. I call it self-conscious introspection. Self-conscious introspection. You know what I'm saying. This is what I'm trying to say. It is that propensity for you to look at yourself, assess yourself, assess how well you have fared recently. Whenever it is time to receive something from God. Some of us do it every time we pray. Subconsciously. Your mind is telling you, should you be doing this? How well have you behaved lately? Especially when you want to make a demand spiritually. Your mind and your soul is combating your confession. And saying, you don't have the right to do this. Listen, what I'm saying. A lot of people who know that they are the righteousness of God in Christ. Still battle this. Because there's a difference between what you know in your head and what has renewed your mind. You know what I'm saying. You, you still, you're, still, you're still trying to meet up despite all the messages you've heard. All the messages you've heard. Every morning it's time to pray. It's a struggle. And there are three effects of this type of righteousness. Three effects. Number one is either, <laughs> let me just list them out to you. Number one is self-righteousness. When you seek righteousness by the law, you become boastful. You become self, you know, like that Pharisee that prayed in the temple and said, I thank you, O Father, that I'm not like this unrighteous publican. Question, what is your business with the other guy? You came to talk to God, but you're looking at him and saying, look at him. The way I observe him, he's not a tither. He doesn't fast. Have you seen people who are always trying to outdo you in devotion? It's like it's competition. Have you found people like that? They, They see devotion as an opportunity for them to exert their superiority over you. This is what righteousness of the law births in people. Self-righteousness, you become boastful. There is a second effect because quite I mean, if you, if you always assess yourself and you want to assess yourself based on how you have performed many times, even by your own scorecard, you will fail. And so, that will lead to also, I mean, the next thing I want to talk about, self-pity. Self-pity. Have you seen people who are always sorry? I mean, that's the summary of their Christian devotion, sorry. Always apologizing. And I'm not saying it is wrong to admit guilt. I mean, admit wrongdoing. You know, but some people, do you know, what I'm talking about can be so terrible. Have you ever prayed for so long and when you were done, you still felt condemned? I've not prayed enough. I'm not talking about just the normal urge, like the nudge of the spirit to pray longer, but it's condemnation. Even about good stuff. Christian devotion. I'm not reading enough. There is the godly aspect of that. You should Desire to study more and pray more. But when, no matter how much you pray, you still feel down. That's not the Lord. That's not God. Did you hear what I said? Do you understand the difference? Self-pity. And then the third is comparison. Comparison. You begin to compare with other people. Because it's our way of compensating for our shortcoming. Let me give you an example. There's an exam you prayed I mean, you prepared for, you did your best, you were sure that you did your best. If they asked you, what do you think you will score? You say 90%. But then you got your script and you saw 50, and you were so disappointed. Oh my god, what went wrong? You know what? And as you were complaining, your friends began to get their scripts. 10, 5, 15, 13, you know. Now be honest. Your rep, you know, just. You were a little more relaxed. What I'm talking about is a natural propensity in all, all human beings. We feel compensated by the failure of others. We, we feel vindicated. Uh-huh. I tried. I'm not that bad. Have, have you gone out to preach before? And you ask someone a simple question Are you born again? The person says, Well, I don't club, I don't smoke, I don't drink. I, I'm like, guy, that's not what I asked you. But but In his mind, he has already answered. He steps ahead of you. He has said, no, I'm not born again. No, I'm not going to heaven right now because I have not even heard or believed the gospel. But what about these other guys? I'm doing better than that. You know, instead of admitting our frailty, our shortcomings, it's more convenient to say, see others. That's what righteousness of the Lord does. But there is another type of righteousness. It is a righteousness that hinges or is hinged solely and only on Christ and what he has done, what he has accomplished. The law says, I did. Grace says, Christ did. It's a perspective to righteousness. It's a perspective. It's a perspective. Hallelujah. It's a consciousness. Unlike righteousness of the law, righteousness by faith abhors boasting. You, you cannot boast. You, you, you cannot boast. Because righteousness, which is by faith, says, I was... Dead and sin, God took on flesh, dwelt amongst us, died my death, rose again the third day, and now he has given me his righteousness. How can you boast about that? You didn't walk for it. It's the grace of God. How do you boast about that? And so the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. So the fact that you didn't work for it has taken away forever your right to boast in. You just say thank you. That's, what, that's your response. You say thank you, Lord. It has taken away your right to boast in. It says, We are the circumcision, Philippians 3, who serve God by the Spirit and boast in Christ Jesus. Christ has become our boast, not our efforts. Not the things that we think that we do right. But Christ and what he has done. What he has accomplished. We boast in Christ Jesus. And we put no confidence in the flesh. Say loud amen. He says that's who we are. We are the circumcision. Not of the flesh. But of faith. We are of faith. Say loud amen. 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 And so, you know... In Romans chapter 3, verse 27, Paul said, where is boasting then? It is excluded. Did you hear what I said? In this type of righteousness, there is no room for boasting. No room. Because you have acknowledged insufficiency in your own self. People say, I've told you time and again, people say, heaven helps those who help themselves. That's the most antichrist statement I've ever heard. It's the paradox of the gospel. I mean, it's, it's the direct opposite of the gospel. The message of the gospel is you could not help yourself. The Bible says when we were without strength. Did you hear that? When we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. So we could not help ourselves. We needed a savior and he saved us. Thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you, Jesus. And so the Bible says, Abraham believed God, Romans chapter 4, verse 3, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So we are talking about faith for righteousness. A type of righteousness bestowed on you simply because you believe. He believed God, and he was declared righteous. Now in Romans chapter 10, I've read this to you a million times. I'll read it probably a billion times more in my lifetime. Paul begins to compare the two types of righteousness. And pay very close attention. In verse 1, Romans 10, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I, I think I will never get over this verse. Because growing up, when you heard that they were praying for someone's salvation, what comes to your mind is, oh, he must be really terrible. He's giving his parents hell. When a mother tells you she's praying for her son's salvation, you know that the boy has, you know, shown them a little. Hallelujah. So now, he's praying for Israel's salvation. You, you, now you're thinking, oh... These people, they, they've never heard about God. They're doing all the bad stuff. But in verse 2, it says for a bear record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So you can be zealous for God and still not be saved. A good example is Cornelius. Cornelius, the Bible says, was a devout man. He gave alms. He even prayed regularly. And God, in his mercy, saw this man, he's... Sincerely wrong. If it goes on like this, despite all his efforts, it's still hellfire. So, I mean, so he, he says, he sends an angel, and the angel says, send for Peter, and Peter will tell you words by which you will be saved. So that tells you, you, you can be a very moral person, generous, giving alms, very noble in the society, and still be unsaved. Not only were many Israelites were like, the, uh, like that, not only were many Israelites like that, Paul bore record. I bear record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Look at what he says next. He says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Everybody read verse 3 together, 1, 2, go. All right, so that means there's a type of righteousness that God calls your own. It's for your pocket, literally. It doesn't count with him. It says, they've been ignorant of God's righteousness. And going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. So, the fact that they were not saved does not mean they were not passionate about righteousness. They just went about it the wrong way. This is serious. Hallelujah. Very serious. Let's go to verse (laughs) 9. He now explains righteousness in simple terms. I wish I could go through all the verses, but we have a lot to cover. Everybody read verse 9 together with me. One to go. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. This is, this is how to be saved. So simple. I mean, these people are walking, overwhelmed with efforts. And he says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Hallelujah. He says, for with the heart man believed unto righteousness. This is how righteousness is birthed. With the heart man believes unto what? And with the mouth confession is made unto what? Say, thank you, Jesus. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again the third day. I am raised together with you. And I'm seated with you. In heavenly places, far above, principalities, and power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so it's so simple. So simple that it began to affect Paul emotionally. He used a strong word. I don't want to get into that now. But it it began to bother him. These people, I mean, they are good people, but they still aren't saved. I want them to be saved. You see, God is no respecter of persons. What I just said is one of the biggest revelations in the New Testament. As simple as it is, that phrase was repeated so many times. In so many different contexts. And in so many different ways. There is no respect of persons with God. There is a way to be saved. It doesn't matter who you are, rich or poor, enlightened or otherwise, there is a way to be saved. Thank you, Jesus. If you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, confess with your mouth that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be what? What? No respect of persons with God. In this exam, you either score 100% or you score zero. Did you hear what I said? Because unlike righteousness of the law, righteousness of faith is not comparative. You can't compare with another person. You either have it or you don't. You either believe in Jesus or you don't. Listen, you cannot be more righteous than another person as far as righteousness of faith is concerned. Did you hear what I just said? There is no man of God on earth that is more righteous than any believer here. None. Let me make it clearer and take it deeper there is no man of God that has ever walked the face of the earth that is is more righteous than anyone here who is a believer did you hear what I said look at what Paul said and I'm going to continue thank you Jesus Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It says, For by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more. They which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. A lot of theologians believe that The fact that he used definite article there is also a pointer to the fact that you can't have more of it. You either have it or you don't. Hallelujah. You can't have more phone. You either have a phone or you don't. You can have two, but you can't have more of a phone. Praise the Lord. The gift of righteousness. You either have it or you don't. No man of God who ever walked the face of the earth is more righteous than you. Because, I mean, what's his righteousness? He had faith in Christ. He received the righteousness of God in Christ. What is your righteousness? It is not by any of you's efforts. It is by the constant righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. And so they got it. We got it. We all got it. Hallelujah. Let me say it in a deeper way. If based on all that you have, I, I, you have heard up to this point, you can understand. Even Jesus is not more righteous than you. You have to understand why. Because your righteousness is his righteousness. Your righteousness is his righteousness. Hallelujah. Listen. If I was to title this sermon, I would call it the righteousness consciousness. Listen. You cannot do great stuff for God without what you are hearing. You might have heard it before, but you need to let it sink. Let, let meditate on it. That there is no apostle that has a better stand with God than myself. Do you believe in your stand with God? Do you believe in your access to God? Nobody needs to go for me. He loves me. You you have to believe that. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. He sees you as though it were Christ. You, You have to understand this. That's how he sees you. And until you see yourself that way, you will have a lot of inheritance that you don't exploit because you spend all your devotion time begging and crying and whining about stuff you already have. Hallelujah! So you need to learn about yourself literally. When you get born again, the next thing is you need to start learning about yourself. Because all the time, you always receive more than you knew. And Paul begins to pray that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. And that's what's going to happen to you in this camp meeting. Come on, say a loud amen. I mean, just think about it. You know, I told you, the Bible says, God is no respecter of persons. One of the first people to make this statement was Peter. Peter had, you know, this superiority consciousness. Guess why? Because, I mean, his righteousness, he he thought righteousness was by, by the law. The Jews have no dealings with the Gentiles. God wanted him to preach to Cornelius. God had to stage a drama in his sleep. Played the same film three times. Brother still didn't get it. By the time he woke up, he had already sent the people from Cornelius' house. God, When God speaks to you three times in a dream and still talks to you when you wake up, you know you are stubborn. And so God spoke to him again. He says, there are people at your doorstep. Follow them, doubting nothing. Stop doubting. Follow them. And so he went there. When he saw all that played out, he said, I perceive. Ay, 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 This was his observation. I perceive that there is no respect of persons with God. Oh, God listened to Cornelius. Not only did he listen to Cornelius. Oh, pay attention. You see, in, in the next chapter, chapter 11, specifically verse 15, the people in Jerusalem, had been criticizing Peter. So you went to the house of a Gentile. They began to criticize him with their religious mind. We are Jews. We are superior. You know better. You shouldn't have dined with them. And he began to explain. Everything that happened, he he said, you know, I didn't even want to go. I saw the same trance three times. And when I woke up, I heard a voice from the Holy Spirit The voice of God telling me, follow them doubting nothing. I went there and you know, I was just going to preach, go through the modalities and go. But as I was still speaking, chapter 10 says the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. Chapter 11 verse 15. Oh, glory to God. Can you project that? Or open your Bibles, everybody. You need to see what he said. This is good stuff. Now, this is Peter the great apostle. He's about to explain what happened in the house of a gentile. And this is what he says. Everybody ready together, want to go. Hallelujah. Yeah. Listen. So Peter recounts. His experience in the Holy Ghost. How he got baptized by the Spirit of God. And he observed what happened in Cornelius's house and he saw no difference. Listen. The interesting thing is, in Cornelius' house, there was less drama. In Acts chapter 2, there was a lot of drama. The Bible says there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. A sound. That filled the room. And then all of them saw visions. They saw cloven tongues of, as of fire. You know, it was more dramatic. But in Cornelius' house, well, as he was still speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them that heard the word. They spoke in tongues and all of that. But Peter still compared the two instances, the two occurrences, and saw no difference. He fell on them as on us at the beginning. Hallelujah. If he could look from heaven and see the Holy Ghost at work in your life, you'll see same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Same. So think about it. The same spiritual engine that was driving Peter was the same engine driving Cornelius. It's the same engine driving anyone who believes. Listen, what I'm saying is so simple, but if you get it, it will change your life. Doesn't have more access to God than I do. Paul doesn't have more access to God than I do. He fell on them as on us at the beginning. Same experience, same gospel, same glory. Glory to God. Do you believe this? You know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to believe in your walk with God. If you don't believe in your walk with God you won't see results in your life. You will keep being weak and defeated. It is possible for you to have more than you realize. And every believer does. That's why Paul is praying that you will recognize the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He's saying, bro, you're so rich. You are not empty. You are loaded. I'm praying that your eyes will be open to see. You are loaded. He said the riches of the glory of his inheritance. So he's describing the glory of God. And he says he's rich. It's lavish. And this is an inheritance you have. Even the times where you think you are struggling to pray. He said you are rich in glory. You, You need to understand this. So maybe what I really need. His revelation, my eyes need to be opened, to be enlightened. You know, uh, you are a believer and you are being attacked by Satan. And he's tormenting you in your dream, giving you all kinds of affliction. This is why you came. More than a healing, more than a deliverance or whatever it is called. Most importantly, learn who you are. If you came and the pastor laid hands on you, that's wonderful. It's great. But sooner or later, you're going to need to learn to take a stand for yourself, for your family. Hallelujah. You need to have faith in your relationship with the Lord. Let's see what the Bible says about this. Oh, glory to God. Oh, ho, ho. You know, just thinking about the text I'm about to read to you, I'm already dancing, I'm Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5. I have to be very fast now. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. You know, he says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. You know, a lot of people who are born again still can't boast of peace. It's a mystery. But you have it. You have peace with God. You think God is angry with you and he says you have peace with God. Some of you need what I'm saying now. Say, I have peace with God. Peace with God. God, is peace with God is at peace with me. He's not fighting you. He's not. He is for you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Therefore. I like therefore. Oh, thank you, Lord. Whenever you see therefore, you need to find out what it is there for. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's about to say something important something conclusive meaning I said all this to say this hallelujah being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access access have you ever tried to get close to a famous person and you tried everything his PA his email and his number and you, you know you couldn't get it but now we're talking about the biggest being in the universe God Almighty he said you have access. Hallelujah. Meaning if you were to be in a room and you needed to see him, no bodyguard is going to stop you. you are just going to walk through. You're going to greet them. Hallelujah. That's my dad. It's my, it's my dad in there. It's my dad. Hallelujah. I've got access. Listen, this is a mentality, a consciousness. Hallelujah. No, he's my dad. Say, say that, he's my dad. You know, when, when, you look at, when, when you look at the oceans, you know, the sun, the moon, you see all the greatness, the splendor, you say, hey, that's my dad. Yeah. Hallelujah. Actually, my, my daddy, I think it's more personal to use daddy. You know, my, my daddy made all this stuff. Uh, hallelujah. It's a consciousness to have. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Say, I have access. Hallelujah. I have access. Oh, I have access. No one has more access than I do. Hallelujah. When I pray, he hears me. Because he's my daddy. He looks out for me. He wants the best for me. I have access. In the reboot camp, as I pray, he will hear. It's the way it is. It's the way it is. Pray, not get answers. I I, I don't know what you're talking about. I I have access, you see. I have access. Hallelujah. It's an everlasting privilege. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He says, (laughs) by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. We have entered grace. Do, Do you understand he says, "Wherein we stand. He's talking about establishment in this consciousness. You had access. Some of you act as if you went in and you came out. You know, sometimes you get the privilege to go to places you don't belong. <laughs> so you just visit, you know, and then when you're done, they take the ID card from you. You drop it at the reception, you sign out, and you go. He says, But we have received access into this grace wherein we stand. Hallelujah. We're not going anywhere. We belong here. We were born here. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. He says, Wherein we stand. Listen, the reason why your devotional time is so boring Is because you are not access conscious If you were access conscious There will be more rejoicing There will be more rejoicing Instead of complaining There will be more, it says we stand and rejoice Hallelujah We belong there the place he's describing was the place that people were afraid to go. Even the miniature version of, what we are, version of what we are talking about was still so devastating, so dangerous. When the high priest was about to go in, they had to put a chain in his leg because if he did anything wrong, he was going to die. And if he died, nobody could go in to bring him out. So they would have to drag him out. Hallelujah. Then that's the place he said you are dancing. And rejoicing, Hallelujah! You, you, you are, you are feeling at home in the Most Holy Place. What I'm saying is actually bigger than what I'm saying. Listen, actually, you are the Most Holy Place. Glory to God, the dwelling place of God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I've got access, I've got access, I've got access. Hallelujah. Sit down for a bit. We still have some more to cover. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Pastor Adiboy told a story of how he traveled to the U.S. for a camp meeting. And he saw the miracles, he saw the display of power. And as he was coming, by the way, I think he was joking. Or if he was not joking, I mean... uh, he has gone past this idea now. But as he was coming back in the plane, he said, God, when I return to Nigeria, you must do the miracles I saw there. Otherwise, I will tell everybody you are racist. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the good news is no favoritism with God. There is no move of God you see anywhere in the world that you cannot see in your life. It's, it's, this is access language. Do you understand? Is is a consciousness? Yes, that's, that's how we are. Do you understand? So you, you have to renew your mind and talk like this. You know, and and, and think like this. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, verse eleven. You know, I like this. He's reminding you of your past and then he tells you about your presence. He says, Wherefore remember that ye have been in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision in the flesh by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. He says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus You who sometimes were afar off, are you with me today? It says, you who before were afar off have been what? Made nigh by the blood of Christ. Listen, there is something you need to do if you're going to grow spiritually. You're going to have to learn to change your mind when you see the word of God say something contrary to what you believe. Otherwise, you will be ever learning, yet never able to come to the point of truth. So, when you read this, there are some songs you should never sing again. It says, I've been made nigh by the blood of Christ. Someone says, Draw me near, near blessed Lord. You know? I, you know, a lot of people hear this, and they are even offended that I'm giving you example. And I, I, trust me, I don't... I don't have time for offense. Do you understand? You know, I just want you to be established in the truth. Don't keep asking him to draw you nearer when he says you are near. He says, I have access. I am near. I have been made nigh by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ has brought me near. I'm not far away. Never talk of God. As a faraway concept, as a faraway place, He's in me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Renew your mind. He says, "I've been made nigh by the blood of Christ." So talk like it, sing it, walk in it. Say, "I'm near." Say, "I'm very close to God." Very close, I'm to close, to very, close. To God. very close. Tell everybody, "I'm very close to, God. God. Very close to God. God." Hallelujah! Very close to God. Hallelujah! Very close to God. Hallelujah. Very, very close to God. Tell someone else, I'm very, very close to God. Me and God, very, very close. Very close. Glory to God. So don't say, don't say, draw me nearer to the cross. The cross drew you nearer to God. That's the truth. Hallelujah. So, at some point in your life, you're going to have to believe the word of God. And endorse it over your life. And talk it like it says it. He said it too that we may boldly say. Hallelujah. Oh, I wonder if I can finish tonight. Let's see if we can speed this thing up a little. Thank you, Jesus. Well, uh, I don't know. Are you learning anything? Yeah. Oh, say I'm near, I'm near, I'm near. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's see one more. Look at Colossians, Colossians chapter one. Oh, betele grousta heart, he says. Ha, 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 ha. Is anything too hard for God? That's for someone here. Ha 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 ha. Thank you, Lord. As you sleep tonight, there's someone here. Hallelujah. You will discover that that being that used to follow you around has left you alone. Atone the pete, lo cruise the vase. Ha ha ha! Because as you were entering this building, I saw a vision. He stood at the gate. He stood at the gate, but the thing is, as you are coming out, he's not going to follow you <laughs> because. What was in this building that made him not enter has rubbed off on you. Tali mega. is a supplier. Don't forget. With a share arm. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. I have to be very fast now. He says, To whom (laughs) to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the gentiles. You know, gentile, everyone who is not a Jew, Nigerians, Egyptians, Americans, Gentiles, non-Jews. Hallelujah. And then the Jews had this sense of you know superiority they thought there was favoritism with god that god had honor for them just because they were jews but he says god has revealed a mystery to the gentiles the jews thought they were the only one who had the right to god that's why they said they called him the god of abraham isaac and jacob they were saying that to edge you out you have to understand that anyway by faith we're children of abraham right Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 4. You know. But, but he says, now God will make known the mystery, the riches of the glory of this mystery to the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Deck your day. Hallelujah. This is so beautiful. Maybe I will touch on it Friday night. But let me just touch on it on a surface level. First of all, Christ in you is the biggest mystery in the world. That the God of the universe never created any other place worthy of his dwelling better than your heart. Is the biggest concept on earth? There is no ideology, no philosophy, no, no scientific discovery, no technology that supersedes this idea. Christ in me. Christ in, don't forget what we're talking about. Righteousness, consciousness. So I'm saying it so that it will dawn on you. Christ in me. This is this is big. A lot of people are crying for heaven. I want to make heaven. You, you, you have to understand. Heaven is where Christ dwells. So you you, you need to understand. When you get to heaven, there is still going to be a new earth on which you are going to live. Heaven is not your final destination. You are always going to be on some earth. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And your real divine experience will be Christ in you. So it is not so different from what you already have. Listen, even that new body, I've told you this before. The new body you are going to receive, what makes the new body special? is the spirit. The only thing (laughs) that makes that new body special is it will give more expression to the spirit you already have. Do you understand what I'm saying? This spirit is limiting. This spirit can get tired. Uh, This body, I beg your pardon, can get tired, can get sleepy, can get hungry. There are a lot of inordinate affections in this body. And that's why you need to put it away. And so your spirit is going to have more expression in a new body. But listen, the body is for the spirit. The spirit is not for the body. So you... you, you, (laughs) As you're looking for that new body, you will still be conscious of Christ in you now. Now are we the sons of God. You, You have to understand this. What is inside you is bigger than what is coming. What is inside you is bigger than what is coming. Hallelujah. You have to understand that. So what is Christ in you? Christ in you simply means salvation. That's what Christ in you is. That's that's what it means to be born again, for the Spirit of God to dwell in your heart. You see, oh, glory to God. In John chapter 3, Jesus was talking with Nicodemus. Nicodemus says, I know that you are a great teacher from heaven because no one can do these great miracles except God be with him. And Jesus said to him, very, very, I say unto you, except a man be born again, (laughs) he cannot see the kingdom of God. And said, "How can a man be born when he is old? Will he enter his mother's womb again to be born?" And he says, "Except a man be born of water, which is the spirit." So what it means to be born again is to be born of the spirit, for for the spirit of God to dwell in your heart. That's Christ in you, the biggest concept in the world, and that's the hope of glory. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, thank you, Jesus. This was the first time that metaphor was ever used for salvation. Born again. Jesus was the first person to use it. But Jesus definitely was not the first person to preach about salvation. The prophets preached about salvation. They used different other metaphors. He will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, give you a heart of flesh. I will walk in them. Those were all metaphors of salvation. Are you getting what I'm saying? There are several others in the New Testament. Lights were translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of their son. So many other metaphors. But Jesus says, except a man be born again. And this one is so powerful, especially because intrinsically, just by the time you learn something about salvation, pay attention. Hallelujah. You see a lot of people mock Nicodemus, but they've not learned from Nicodemus. Nicodemus understands it better than they. Because Jesus got Nicodemus' attention. Of course he knew Nicodemus would respond the way he responded. No one had ever used that metaphor before born again. So Nicodemus, Ex, you know, express this confusion. How can a man enter his mother's womb when he's old? Do you know how confusing it is? Stand up, please. You know, if I tell you you need to be born, how do you obey that instruction? Uh, let, let me ask you this what role did you play in your parents giving birth to you? Did you advise them? <laughs> Well, you're like, guys, it's time, like yeah. You are the product of their affection, the product of their efforts. Hallelujah. Please be seated. And so when he says be born, he's telling you it's beyond you. Hallelujah. It's be intrinsically by the term be born again, you already know this has to be by grace. You know, because I am the product I, I have to be born by the activity and by the agency of something else. Hallelujah, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes, Except the man, be born again." So if people understood the term "born again," they would know, there's nothing I can do. I, I, can't, I can't contribute to this. Hallelujah. No child was part of his family planning process. No child gets the privilege to participate in such a thing. All you knew is you came. In fact, to be sure, to let you know how clueless you are, you only know your parents are your parents because they told you. (laughs) Just to be sure. That's the fact. They they said it, you believe it, that settles it. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's to let you know how uninvolved you are! Hallelujah! I'm trying to. I, I'm. I'm just trying to let you know. This is all God. Are you getting the point here? It's all God. From beginning to end, it's all God. People born again, just, I can't. I can't do it. I, will I enter my mother's womb? There's nothing I can do. That's the point. There's nothing you can do. Come, let me help you. Hallelujah. By grace. So, you say, thank you. You receive what he has done. You boast in what he has done. And then, the Bible says, you stand and rejoice in what he has done. You see, rejoicing is a very crucial aspect of devotion. Let me tell you this. There are a lot of people who are prayerful but they don't see a lot of power manifest in their lives. And that's because they've not learned to rejoice. If, you, if, if there is no rejoicing in your life, what you do when you're praying and fasting will be akin to a man, you know, who spends time loading is gone. Loading is gone. Loading is gone. The bad guys are coming. His loading is gone. And when he's done, he just cocks it and goes home. There is something about rejoicing that, you know, It's a release of what's inside you. A release. I'm telling you, one of the ways to find expression for all the deposits of the Spirit of God in you, learn to rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It says rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's the preoccupation of the saints. Let's see if we can read one more text and call it a day. Have you learned anything? Hallelujah. So we just it up, take it up a notch tomorrow, and then we'll keep getting it getting deeper into it. Woo hoo! Thank you, Lord. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Look at Peter. First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, I've got Christ in me. me. And then if you're here and you're you're not born again, you're missing a lot. Uh, you're missing a lot. You're missing a lot. Hallelujah. This is good news. It's good news. You don't have to die, you can live forever. I mean that literally, like you receive a new body and live forever. And even more, you get to spend eternity with God. Your body and the culture around you may deceive you into thinking you don't really care. But trust me, when you see him, you will know you've always cared. You've always cared. But at that time, it'll be too late to do anything about it. Too late. Now is the time. This is the day of salvation. And all you have to do is believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. You know, you're overwhelmed in habits. See, I, I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He would take away the stone. That rebellion, he would defeat it. The most important thing is that you believe. That's where you start. Hallelujah. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus That God raised him from the dead. You are saved. That's what the word of God says. And the Holy Ghost will take it. He will walk on you. You will be amazed. You will be amazed. It won't take him time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. First Peter chapter 1 verse 8. Read it together. One, two, go. Hallelujah! You see, your relationship with God, your love walk is very confusing to a carnal man. Very car- Do you, you know, imagine you never had any religious experience and then you saw someone praying. I mean, you enter a room and someone is talking to someone and there's nobody there. Father, I thank you. You are good. You are kind. No God like you. And you're like, And you tap him. He says, sorry, who are you talking to? Oh, I'm talking to God. Uh, is he here? Yes, he's here. <laughs> he, he, I mean, he's here. He's always with me. And the person is thinking, oh, something is wrong with this. You know, so, so he says, I don't understand this. Tell me about this. Well, you see, man fell and 2,000 years ago, God took on flesh, he became man, he was still God, but actually he was fully man. <laughs> and then God died, <laughs> rose up the third day, ascended up into the clouds, and then one day he's going to appear in the same clouds riding on a white horse. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord if faith in Christ is foolishness, may I never be wise. Amen. Hallelujah. Own it. We are all foolish. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, and then the person is like, you're so much in love with him. Have you seen him before? Uh, no. In whom have you not seen, ye love. This is, And the funny thing is, this is not a long-distance relationship. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's closer to you than anyone else is capable of being. Hallelujah. You've not seen him before, but you're in love. No one else, oh, no one else has touched your heart like him. Hallelujah. Though now you see him not, he says, you love. He says, though now we see him not yet believing, you ye rejoice. With joy, unspeakable, and full. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Joy unspeakable. Joy inexpressible. Have you been so joyful, you just started screaming? And people are like, what happened to you? Hey! Listen, he's talking about the hope of the glory of God. But he says, we don't wait for it as if it is something in the distant future. He says, you rejoice with joy of, what the Greek calls full of glory means to rejoice as if already glorified. So, in your walk with God, the mentality and the consciousness is is as good as done. Because I carry his seal upon my heart. I have assurance of salvation. Listen. A lot of people are waiting for the coming of Christ. They are waiting for resurrection. But resurrection is not an event. It's a person. He said. I am the resurrection. Hallelujah. So listen. Listen, if he is in you, then that's settled. Hallelujah. So he says you rejoice as though it has already happened. So, some people think, saying, I can only imagine what it would be like when I see him. I will dance, will I dance, will I sing? He said, don't imagine. Start rejoicing now. Glory! and full of glory full of glory full of glory thank you lord give him the praise bless his name right now thank him pray in other tongues thank you for listening we are sure that you have been blessed For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.